0: As we prepare to open scripture together, let's join our hearts in a prayer for illumination. Faithful and compassionate God, in the past you spoke to your people through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these days you speak to us by your Son Jesus, who's heir of all things and through whom you made the universe. We want to see Jesus clearly. And so as we read your word, would you send your Holy Spirit among us to give us eyes to see his glory. Amen. This morning I'll be reading from the book of Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 to 18. Hebrews 2, verse 10. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters— He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, Here I am, and the children God has given me. Now, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A few months ago, after the Sunday morning service on one of my very first weeks here, we wrapped up the live stream and walked out to our cars to go home. I live in Drayton, so about 45 minutes away, and the commute usually doesn't bother me. But as we were all walking out, I got an alert on my phone. We were under a tornado watch. The sky looked a little gray, but it wasn't raining or anything, so I thought I'd, I'd be fine. I hopped in my car and headed up the road to get on Highway 7, and as I turned onto the highway on-ramp, The music on the radio was interrupted with that loud beep and the automated voice. The tornado watch had been upgraded to a tornado warning. Still the sky didn't look too bad, it wasn't raining, so I kept going. And then the road becomes Highway 85 and there's that curve as you approach Waterloo. And that's where I got my first clear picture of the western sky and the oncoming storm. The sky was dramatically darker, and the clouds looked very moody. But still no rain, so on I went. Then as I came up to Elmira, the winds picked up and it started to sprinkle. And by the time I was on the other side of Elmira, which is not a big town, My windshield wipers were going as quickly as they could. The rain was beating down on my car, drowning out the sound of the radio. The wind was whipping tree branches all around, and there was a wall of gray in front of me. As I slowed down and I gripped the steering wheel, I kept thinking I should have stayed at church. I should have listened to that warning. I did make it home, clearly, And I didn't actually cross paths with a tornado, but you can bet that I will not be trying to drive through a storm like that in the near future. When the roads we are traveling get stormy and all the signs are telling us that things will be worse ahead, it is a natural thing to want to turn around and head back to safety. In many cases, we would even say that is the wise thing to do. The letter to the Hebrews is written to Christians who are traveling a road that is getting darker and stormier. The metaphoric alarms are ringing. They see the dark clouds on the horizon and the rain is beginning. Now, we don't know exactly who these Hebrew Christians were or where they live. We don't even know for sure who exactly wrote this letter to them. But even though we don't know exactly who they are, one thing is clear this is a faith community in crisis. When they gather for house church to worship Jesus, the group gets smaller and smaller each week. Some groups have even given up on meeting, there wasn't enough interest anymore. There is a worship attendance problem and there are rumors that some people have returned to their old pre-Jesus lives. Some people who grew up in the Jewish faith are being tempted to deny that Jesus was the Messiah. To return to their old rituals and worship practices in the synagogues or the temple. That majestic temple filled with rich imagery and meaningful rituals sure held a lot more appeal than a cramped and stuffy house church down the road. The writer of the Hebrews frequently talks about the dangers of falling away or drifting away from their faith. But why were they drifting away? Well, the original readers were tempted to drift away from their faith in Jesus because they saw those dark storm clouds on the horizon. The alarms were telling them that the road ahead was dangerous, unknown, uncomfortable, maybe even deadly. They were facing extreme pressures because of their faith in Jesus. They were teased and ridiculed for their faith. They were pushed to the fringes of society Their old friends didn't invite them out anymore, and no one wants to be friends with those weird Jesus followers. Some had their property taken away. Sometimes they were persecuted and thrown in jail. Now, no one from this ragtag group of Jesus followers had been killed for their faith yet, but they must have figured it was only a matter of time. All the signs were pointing in that direction. They were among those who were held in slavery, by their fear of death. The storm that was beginning around them would surely get worse and worse. And in the face of such a frightening future, it is no wonder that they were tempted to turn around and go back to the way they used to do things. I think there are occasions in our lives where we feel a little something like those first century Hebrews as we look out into an unknown and a frightening future. Now talk of suffering for our faith like those first readers did is a little bit complicated in North America because on one hand, there are some streams of Christianity that have such enormous political power that it's hard for some folks to see any similarity at all between our situation and that of the first century believers. On the other hand... There's a sense that in a pluralistic society like ours, some of the unique claims of Christian faith may put some people off, make them suspicious of Christians. But there are other more immediate ways that make us feel like those first-century Hebrew Christians who face an unknown and a frightening future. A scary medical diagnosis could put you in this position If all the scans and tests and appointments are indicating that the road ahead will be stormy. Or maybe your relationships with a partner or a family member have been so strained during these last six months that the alarms are ringing and you see dark clouds on the horizon of your relationship. And it certainly seems like more generally all the signs are pointing us in the direction of a very difficult Fall and winter. Folks, the alarm bells are ringing. Premier Ford told us last weekend with the rise in cases of COVID. We want to go back to how things used to be. We want to return to safety, to the past, how we used to do things. The future is unknown, it is frightening. Maybe even deadly. And eventually, it is not maybe deadly, but certainly deadly for all of us, save the return of Christ. Like those first century Hebrews, we may find ourselves among those who are held in slavery to our fear of death. Our fear has made us masters at avoiding death in North America. One of my favorite examples of this is a cookbook called. The How Not to Die cookbook. The author, Dr. Michael Greger, promises to prevent, quote, the scientific evidence behind the only diet that can prevent and reverse many of the causes of premature death and disability. Now, I do not doubt that Dr. Greger knows what he's talking about. I don't doubt that many people have had their health and well-being improved by eating the food he recommends. And of course, there are good reasons to take care of our bodies to honor the gift that God has given us. But we should be clear that Dr. Greger's recipes do not really show us how not to die. At best, they maybe show us how not to die Yet. Because, of course, no matter how hard we try to avoid death or ward it off, there is no avoiding that storm, no turning back the clock to the safe and comfortable past. Time moves us unmercifully forward into the oncoming storm. To those first-century Christians who are navigating the uncertain future of persecution— And eventually death. The writer of Hebrews assures them that Jesus shows them the way through the storm. Jesus paves the way through the storms of their present sufferings, straight through death, and into God's presence. Jesus does not ask them to go through a storm that he has not already been through himself. In the verses we read, there is this layered picture of Jesus. And this layered picture of Jesus would be an encouragement to those people who face an uncertain future so that they would no longer be tempted to fall away, to turn back. The first picture of Jesus is that he is a pioneer of their salvation, whose journey was only complete in his suffering. A pioneer is literally the first to lead, the trailblazer. Jesus, as the pioneer, would lead the Hebrew Christians through the oncoming storm of suffering. They were not out there alone to navigate an uncertain future. Second picture of Jesus is that he is a brother. He is a pioneer, but he is also like the Hebrews in their suffering, in their humanity, He was a brother to them. This pioneer is not some far-off, inaccessible celebrity who demands worship and adoration but only leaves behind a fuzzy map. This pioneer leads the way as a brother who's not ashamed to call them family. An early Hebrew believer could hear this and say, my family might have rejected me. They might be ashamed to call me a daughter and a sister because I believe in Jesus. They might no longer even admit that I am their sister or daughter, but Jesus is not ashamed of me. Jesus claims me as a sister, and I belong to God. And since Jesus is a brother, it means he is truly like them in their humanity, and this leads to the third picture of Jesus. Jesus is a liberator. Jesus frees them from their slavery to that fear of death by breaking the power of death in his resurrection. It's important that Jesus was like them in his humanity because it means that Jesus did not navigate this storm of suffering and death by tapping into some kind of supernatural superpowers that they didn't have access to. He is not driving some specially designed storm chaser vehicle covered in steel plates and bulletproof windows with a radar inside while everyone else is driving a 2008 Toyota Camry with balding tires and shoddy windshield wipers. He is truly like them in their humanity. The church fathers put it this way. What has not been assumed, taken up by Jesus cannot be redeemed. Unless Jesus is actually, truly a human, he cannot defeat the power that death has on actual humans. This is the point about the temptation in verse 18. When Jesus realized the full weight of what he was called to do, when he got a good look at that western sky and saw the oncoming storm, he was tempted to turn around too. Jesus knows what it's like to look death in the face and say, please, Father, anything but this. Let this cup pass from me. Jesus has not asked the Hebrew Christians to walk any path that he has not already walked in a human body. The path through the storm of uncertainty and death has been paved by one who is like them in every way, so that there's no question whether or not they can make it through by the power of the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. And then we see the clouds breaking up. The rain subsides, and the final picture of Jesus comes into focus. He's made it to the other side of the uncertain and dangerous future. He has become a merciful and a faithful high priest. Who makes atonement for God's people so that God's people are drawn into his presence? The high priest would make sacrifices to God at the temple so that God's unholy people could approach and enter God's holy presence and be in relationship with this God. That's what it means to make atonement. Jesus offers himself as a permanent atoning sacrifice so that God's unholy people who are prone to temptation, who desire a safe and comfortable past, can be drawn through the storms of suffering and death into the presence of God. So when those Hebrew Christians look out into the future before them, when they see those dark storm clouds on the horizon, when they hear the alarms that the road ahead is dangerous, uncomfortable, even deadly, when everything inside them tells them to turn around and head back to safety, Jesus, who is their pioneer, their brother, their liberator and high priest, draws them forward instead. He shows them the way through the storms and into God's presence for peace. The author E.B. White writes about what it looks like to live in this certainty— He watches Catherine, his wife, during the closing months of her life, planning and planting her gardens in the fall. He writes, there she would sit, hour after hour, in the wind and the weather, while Henry Allen brought dozens of paper packages of new bulbs and basketfuls of old bulbs. She was planning for the intricate interment. There was something comical and yet touching in her bedraggled appearance, this small, hunched-over figure, and her studied absorption in this implausible notion that there would be yet another spring. She seemed oblivious to the ending of her own days, which she knew were well at hand. There she was, sitting with her detailed chart under the dark skies of a dying October, calmly plotting the resurrection. Catherine is calm in the face of death because the pioneer of the path is also her brother, Jesus Christ, who has delivered her from bondage to fear of the future and death. Catherine calmly plots the resurrection Because the same one who is her pioneer, her brother, and her liberator is also the great high priest who has sacrificed himself so that she can be brought safely through an uncertain future and into God's holy presence. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the alarm bells might be ringing, telling us that the path ahead of us is stormy and uncertain. It's natural that we'd want to turn around, head back to safety. But the way forward has been made clear to us through Jesus Christ, who goes before us as a pioneer and beside us as a brother, who has emptied the threat of death and liberated us from fear, and who now draws us through the storm and into God's presence through his sacrifice. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. O God, our guide, thank you for this gift of your word. Help us to receive what we've heard and to live in the certainty that in Jesus you are drawing us through every kind of suffering and darkness into the presence of your light and your love. Sustain us on that journey for the sake of your glory and your coming kingdom. Amen.